a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday, it's four o'clock, and I'm bloody well back. Welcome to Short Fuse. I hope you have had an interesting few weeks. It's been very interesting. I've been in Italy, I've been around, I've been in France, and I thought I could leave this place in capable hands. But no. So they've both been sacked, right? And from now on, Alex and Rob will do the whole show. Is that right, boys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, boo, yeah. Anyway, no, big thanks to uh, Pri and Johnny for trying to do things. But the professional's back. <laughs> uh, good week, bad week. What's been happening? It's been bloody hot. That's been really what's going on. Good week for Indian cricket so far, but we never know what's going to happen. Uh, bad week for Amazon, because, frankly, you don't pay your tax, do you? Allegedly. All right, uh, let's get on to stories. And the story that really uh, hits us this week is all about Ofgem. Now, you know my views on Ofgem, but this one is actually quite a good one from them. They believe the supplier model is dead. Well, they don't actually say that, but they say the supplier hub needs to be looked at. Why is that? Because they've looked at what's happening. Market reforms, new technologies, peer-to-peer -peer trading, the whole thing that's going on, which has happened really, really quickly over the last, I would say, Ooh, two years, maybe? Not even that. So if you look at all the major reforms that have been going on, uh, EMR happened in 2010, and then there's been a slow progression of what Ofgem thinks works best for the customer. But what we've seen in the last 18 months to two years is a rapid proliferation of smaller energy companies, a rapid, I mean incredible, uptake of technology in this sector. You know, Two years ago, we would, we would talk about electric cars, but they were still quite distant. Now you see tons of them being driven around. There's an electric taxi being charged up the road. You've got battery technology driving things, and you have this dreaded word, blockchain. But what it basically means is that people can trade energy right through a secure portal. So Ofgem has looked at all of this, and it says it must have a look at whether the current model is the right one to have moving forward providing the best value for the consumer. And it said that it is not prudent, I like these posh off-gem words, it is not prudent to wait for the existing reforms to be done. Mm. Right, well, what do I think of this? Well, you've got to give them credit where, it, where it's due because if they've recognised technology, and this always happens, technology drives change, drives business, and then legislation catches up later. Okay, and we have the same thing in our world of journalism. We have that same thing with the laws of defamation. You know, we've got suddenly Twitter and social media. No one knows who is a publisher, and we still haven't got that worked out. In the energy world, we're having this massive transition taking place, which is driving business change. And now Ofgem has recognized it has to change what it thinks are normal rules. So there's no point having a whole bunch of licensing rules for suppliers if suddenly suppliers are your neighbour. Yeah, it's not the same sort of thing. To get a supply licence in this country is a massive bit of work. So I think this is very good news from Ofgem because they are looking at what is happening and the biggest criticism people always have is policy acts too slowly. So if they can start looking at this now and say, hey, within the next, I don't know, 16, 18 months, two years, we've got these things in place as this stuff changes, it's a good move. Right, talking about technology, the next story is about Kingfisher. Now, you may not know the name, but they're huge. They basically own 
B&Q, they're a big company, and they have now decided to put in battery storage at their distribution centre in Swindon. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because Kingfisher is a very big brand, right? Now, when you have big brands making these statements saying, we're going to use what we had. Before, it was, you know, when we started Energy Live News, it was all about, will you perhaps have a solar panel? Will you do some uh, lighting? Most companies have done that. You know, they've got that terrible phrase, the low-hanging fruit. They've done all that. So what Kingfisher has decided to do is look at where the next stage is. So how will you integrate electric vehicles? How will you integrate renewable energy into your whole kind of uh, portfolio of what you've done? So the distribution centre is massive in Swindon. It's already got solar panels on its uh, roof. So what they're going to do is they're going to use these batteries. And the proje projection is by using these batteries to store energy, they'll reduce their power use by 30%. And that's a pretty big saving for any company. So if you look at that, it shows you that business, again, referring to the previous thing, is adapting before policy. So business is saying, we need somewhere to store this stuff. Let's use the battery technology. Let's invest in it. And there are even companies, Johnny and Pree have done stories on companies who are offering you sort of contracts to supply all of that for you. And this is another story that shows you the transition is not starting, it's fully underway. And we're now getting this integration between solar panels and battery storage. And the final uh, couple of stories in this section are about uh, EVs, really. Uh, so Toyota has announced driverless EVs. God help us. Anyway, driverless EVs will be used in uh, Tokyo uh, for 2020 Olympics. And it's, gonna, it's called Concept I. Concept I, is that right? Yeah. Concept I. Anyway, Concept Eye is a car that will take you around. I really wouldn't trust it, but anyway, that's my view. Anyway, it'll drive you around uh, the athlete village. It'll take delegates. Um, and it's all part of Toyota, who obviously, massive Japanese company, one of the sponsors. They basically want to have, and, and the Japanese government as well, want to have one of the cleanest uh, Olympic Games in terms of emissions for official fleet. So... This is part of that stuff. And that story happened on the same week that Porsche, or Porsche, whatever you want to call them, uh, launched uh, their first new, uh, or revealed rather than launched, their first uh, EV sport doodah, the Porsche Taycan. Taycan. Sounds quite good. 62 miles per hour in 3.5 seconds. Even Alex doesn't drive that fast. Or maybe it does, actually, in the course. Uh, 600 uh, brake horsepower, battery-powered EV. It'll be uh, released uh, next year. And it says, Porsche, that allegedly there's 300 miles between charges. If you're driving at 62 miles per round, 3.5 seconds, I think it might be draining the battery a little bit quicker than that. But, again, a story of a mainstream mark moving into this EV thing. So I can't wait for Clarkson and Co. to start driving these things. Let's see what they can do then. Won't be roaring, will you then, Jezza? Anyway, enough of that. Uh, let's know what you think about those stories. On to this week's, oh yes, banter box. Hi. I don't know what to say, really. Uh, move over, Lanky. God, How are you? God, I missed you. Did you? Yeah, of course, every yeah, second. I bet you did. I bet you did. And why did you have the devil eyes last week? What was that all about? Uh, He's trying yeah. to do this monkfish look. Look, do that. 
Mole rat. The mole rat. Yeah. None of us like the mole rat, do we? I like it. Alex? It's not Goa, it's not Goa. That's my new look. But, but, um, but then you had the devil eyes in the middle of it. Yeah, they weren't contact lenses. Uh, I think the green screen messed with my eyes there. So, yeah, messed yeah. with your brain more like. Anyway, how are you? Did you enjoy your power last week? Uh, Although you did have to ask Auntie Pre to help, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a team effort, as I'm oh, trying to tell you here. Look uh, at that. We like to get each other involved, but, you know. Very good. Now, you, get your guns out. Okay. You'll have to get this gun out, you fool. Right, this is going to be tricky. Alex, you have, go, you got mic have you got micro zoom? Have <laughs> <laughs> you got micro zoom on that? I've uh, got a macro lens. What the hell? Well, I'm nearly 50 with that thing. Yeah, it's all the cardio I sure do. Are, yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. you've been working out, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. I've been to the Terra Hale gym in Shepherd's Bush, which is uh, London's new premier green eco gym. I love this story. So, especially the video, I think we're playing it now. Mm. You tried to do the Rocky intro, didn't you? Well, yeah, all I needed was a dead cow hanging from the ceiling and it would have been exactly the same, I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what happened? Yeah, so I turned up, uh, I spoke to Michael Hamola, who's the founder and owner of the gym, and he talked uh, me through it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, the gym's trying to cut emissions in every way whatsoever. Uh, first, I thought it was just the spinning machines there, which are sustainable through generating electricity uh, as you cycle. Uh, <laughs> uh, come on. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> Jealousy is a bro. terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the spinning machines at the gym are generating Rowing machines, and, and I, I like the way you were trying to do a one-arm curl, like the concentration curl. Yeah, Alex can do that. I think it was 45 kilograms, maybe? Yeah. Or was it 60? Was it 65? Like 45 grams. Uh, yeah, so the spinning machines there, a class of spinning machines yeah. uh, generates between 1,500 and 3,500 watts in an hour. Uh, and that is enough, essentially, to power three kettles. So it's only small, uh, yeah. but we have other things at the gym as well. So but, it's like But the whole idea rowers. is it's, it's sustainable, yeah? Yeah. And it's designed to be so green and trendy because it's in trendy part of it. It is quite trendy. It yeah. is trendy. But a lot of money. Yeah, so I think he has done a really, really good job of actually making every aspect sustainable. Mm. But the price tag's not very sustainable because uh, it's £200 a month. So. That is a lot. Now, for rich people, they would probably accept that and they will take that as it is. But I think for most people, it's a bit of a high price to be green, even yeah. though you might like it. Yeah, yeah. He's done a great job of making everything green, but I think that's too expensive. And I understand why he's done it, because yeah. the return on investment, I think, is going to be 10 years because he yeah. spent so much money setting it up in a very eco-friendly way but maybe he's bitten off more than he can chew and he should have only gone half eco for the maybe, start and maybe. gradually it's, turn things I think through. It's, I think it's a great idea. I mean, the, the bit I loved the best was um, the bikes, weren't they? You can download an app and you had a yeah. go at that. Yeah, so the, the does it actually, so That's does the it only thing I've work? ever done in the gym is a spinning class. Yeah, of course, so, anyway. uh, so, but I, does it actually generate power then that keeps the yeah, gym going yeah. then? Well, you need the whole class of people cycling. Yeah. Uh, it does, like I said, an hour of like 10 people cycling or something like that generates enough to boil a few kettles. But because it's got LED lights in the ceiling, yeah. uh, it can actually power those. But the only problem that jumps out on me is he hasn't installed the batteries yet. Right, so well, it's funny is that connection part of it, yes. Yeah, so you need the batteries really to make the most of them, I think. But no, it's work, it's, I think it's working quite well if you can get people in there. Um, yeah, I think it'll work. What do you think about this old idea? Because everyone Gym, talks... it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> anyway, Mr. Manhood, what do you think about the idea of 
these things. You know, uh, we've got restaurants not giving us straws. We've got yeah. uh, coffee plate plates not giving us. So, and this is a gym that says, you know, you can generate power and all that. Yeah. Uh, for a young, mu yeah. semi-muscular, uh, like, like you. Red-blooded young man, Red yeah. And these things for you, your generation, because obviously I'm an old git, I'll just go to the gym if I want to do, that's it, it doesn't bother me, but mm. uh, for a lot of young people, it's definitely a big driver about the uh, environmental effect of yeah, things. Yeah, of course. Do you, do you think this, these sort of things are interesting for people of your age and you know friends you've, you've got who actually go yeah, to the I gym? Yeah, I think they are. Oh yeah, well, whether it's the gym or going to get coffee and it's a yeah. sustainable cup, uh, I think it is because you know, people I think are conscious of that kind of thing nowadays with more of these David Attenborough style documentaries, more people talking about it. Uh, but I do think that <clears throat> I think certain companies do it quite uh, wholeheartedly and do yeah. a good job of actually trying to be sustainable and good for the envi for the sake of the environment, yeah. which is what I actually think this Terra Hill gym is doing. Yeah. Uh, I think it has the best intentions there. But I think lots of businesses also kind of just have it because it's a trendy yeah, thing a trendy so they thing. put the screen up oh, but I now. think he's done a great job so good yeah. luck to is it Michael Michael Hamola yeah. yeah good luck to him because I think it's a good idea to try you know we know how much uh, we you know you get to a gym you know how much power there is you know how much has been used laundry the bills for towels things like that so the fact that he's doing all of this it's, it's a really good thing so yeah. uh, good luck to him obviously he needs a client that's got a bit more drive and ability to lift more than half a pound as you have yeah it was shocking. Alex, why didn't you step in? She should have stepped in. She just gunned it. Alex would have just gunned the whole lot. Anyway, thank you, Jonathan. Cool. Well done. Thank you. Have you learnt a lot this week? Uh, a, a whole lot. Thank you, Sumit, for that's, that. That's, master that's, master. that's what I like to hear. God, he's getting worse every week. All right, let's move on to this week's Viewpoint. Now, talking about the stuff we just said with uh, Johnny about people's environmental sort of views and whether we're more environmentally conscious and that becomes a selling point. One story that caught my eye was about uh, wet wipes, baby wipes, whatever you want to call them. So basically, this is a cra cracking story. Uh, a survey was done. I think it was, for, was it for a water company, Pri? I think it was something like that, wasn't it? Water, yeah, yeah somewhere. Okay, well, all right, well, let's not worry about that. But anyway, it was a survey done, 1,000 people, and it basically said that uh, most of us don't agree with the government's plans to sort of ban these disposable wipes because they're flipping useful. <laughs> they uh, did a survey and 35% of people, third have said, yes, we flushed them down the loo. And I can see why people do that. And then uh, also uh, people, only 15% uh, support banning them. Now, why are they a big issue? I think we've got some video of um, uh, fatbergs. You've probably heard of these things. Uh, we filmed them. Uh, Vicky a few years went and filmed them and there was the big one that was the size of Tower Bridge, we did a story on. These are an amalgamation of things like oil, fats, uh, wet wipes, condoms, other bits of yuck that get thrown down the drains and then they end up in the sewers and they block it all up. And apparently it costs around about sort of 100 million a year to get rid of these things. So getting rid of wet wipes uh, sounds good because you, you know, if you can get, and get rid of these things, you save that and blah, blah, blah. But what this story shows you is we like to be environmentally friendly as long as it doesn't disturb our lives, okay? And uh, if you ban these things, what would you replace them with? Because they are flipping useful, right? So I think this shows you how uh, governments or, you know, not just governments, companies, when they do these changes, they need to bear in mind what the public can handle, okay? EVs will become much more popular. Why? 
because they're becoming cheaper, because there are more of them, because there's more choice, they look different and they do run on less money, right? They cost them more right now, but to, to run them costs a lot less. So same thing with solar panels. They, they grew because they became popular, became cheaper, you got power, etc. But this story shows you that if you start to start saying, oh, we're going to ban everything because it's bad for the environment, you've got to think about what people want. And people do want to use these things. Most people think that they can dispose them properly in a bin. Uh, so perhaps not so much of a nannying state on that. Interesting point of view. I think this change in culture is a slow thing. Um, what's your view? Let us know. Write to us. Use all the emails. Guff, you know the score. Right, okay. Now on to uh, proper journalism. We've had the light entertainment from Johnny, but uh, the, uh, the senior half of the editorial team is about to join me with a proper story. Is that right, once you've sorted yourself out? Yes, Why so have you got a tissue? You've got wet wipe as well. For you. What for? Um, this way. Alex is saying this move way. closer. This way, move closer. Why do yeah. I need that for? Because I thought, because you asked for the fans. Yeah, I know, I was sweating be because hot. I couldn't handle <laughs> Johnny's, <laughs> Johnny's manhood in my uh, proximity because he was so manly. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough of that. Right, so <coughs> what's your story, which is, which is a good one. It's a so tough one. So we've got one story, yes, yes. from uh, government about fracking and how it affects um, or the impacts on air pollution. So this is interesting because um, I'm sure if those of you who watched us last week, me and Johnny, uh, Johnny and me. Johnny and I. Johnny and I. Oh, something God. happens when you come in front of the camera. happens to them? Yeah, so we, ran, uh, we did the story last week about the government giving the go-ahead yes. for the fracking project. Which was a big story. Yeah, Even though I was in Italy, I read that one. Yeah, but you didn't watch it live. So no, I, couldn't, I, I was in the middle of nowhere. Didn't very, very disappointing. Anyway, yes, go on. Um, so that was uh, announced last week mm -hmm. and this report on fracking and air pollution was published three days later yes and the interesting thing is um the report was actually handed to ministers three years ago Whoa! So, <laughs> yeah i think can we have some background yeah i'd love to have some yeah. dun, dun. we oh, haven't that got that Oh, there that go. would have been amazing. Should I, you should tell me. We did that the dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Anyway. Um, yeah, so it's been written by the Air Quality Expert Group, which yeah. is part of DEFRA, the, yeah. the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Mm -hmm. um, but they only published it on, or quietly published it, because normally I check DEFRA's page. Good day for page, bad news. Yeah, go on. I check DEFRA's page, Bay's page, um, their government with, with all the documents. Yeah. Every single day, I refresh it almost every hour. And this, this report wasn't there. So it took me a while to find this report. And it was under um, the Air Quality Expert Group page. So it's, right. it's still not on the DEFRA announcements or publications page. Right. Um, so it was quietly published. And it came three days after it gave the go-ahead for the fracking oh. project, which, which uh, I mean... You can make your you can, you can make, make your, your well said. That's a good journalistic point. Mate. <laughs> make your own mind up about that. Um, so it's but the report obviously because it's from 2015 and mm -hmm. the, uh, the UK hasn't seen uh, fracking projects. Um, and at that time, they conducted this uh, their study based on US projects. Right. Uh, so 
what DEFRA said is um, because the findings of the report were based on studies from the uh, UK, yeah. projects in the US, which would be slightly different um, environmentally. They needed twice. thorough consideration, in quotes. Three years, um, yeah. And they published it as soon as the full sign off procedures had been completed. Which took Again, you can read into that what you wish. Um, so basically what, what the report says, I'm sure you uh, already know, is that fracking does lead to an increase in air pollution. Uh, nationally, um, uh, obviously it does, but it impacts the local areas even more so compared to the national impact of, um, of fracking or extracting shale gas. Um, one of the criticisms is obviously, as the government said, it's an outdated report as mm. well. So t three years ago it was run. Uh, since then, we've had a lot of regulatory changes. But it uh, does show you <clears throat> that, you know, the whole problem with this fracking thing mm. is that there's so much emotion involved mm. that it almost seems like governments are scared to, yeah, exactly. to do what they will need to do. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, then you do it and you actually make sure the public know the risks and you do the studies. But to have yeah. a report that's been sitting there for three years is frankly shocking. Yeah, I think the, the worst thing is about how of not informing the public. They don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think also the criticism is the fact that um, the UK government has been taken to court, dragged to court about three times already, and also from by the US, uh, EU Commission as well, yeah. uh, because it failed to tackle illegal levels of air pollution. Um, and that hasn't been uh, rectified yet. So the government's so, line is this report is based on slightly out of data and a model based on the US. US, so but they needed the fact more is, consideration. It does say, fracking yeah and the chair of the uh, the chair of the air quality expert group um, which involves a lot of researchers yeah. um, throughout the UK uh, they said that regardless of uh, the report being written three years ago um, any kind of industrial process you carry out yeah is going to lead to an increase or is going to lead to emissions oh, that's no, going to impact you like, um, like a fire impact. in your yeah. garden is going to so it doesn't matter how old the report yeah. is that's the, that's the argument they've made well so done I think this was a well done se one. secret squirrel you dug <laughs> that one out and the plus more stories particularly now yes so if you do have any stories and also uh as you saw um we're happy to get johnny earlier, out yes. yes uh do send us some interesting ideas that we can come and film projects that you might have done on energy efficiency sustainability she wants to get um, out there yes so do send it through or any things stories that, that fashion, you might have any good uh, things like that or anything going else somewhere posh related to oh, i mean i did a fashion story okay. uh, with h&m before so okay i mean i don't mind doing another one yeah but, well, well, um, no you are a sewer so you're not going down there. anyway <laughs> um so send it through to stories at energylivenews.com and you. have a lovely weekend she's so polite always thank you uh right so that's all of that now let's talk about what's coming up so we have our diary dates and the first one is the 19th of september we'd like you to join us this is where johnny proves his aerobic fitness we've got our power ride challenge we're raising money for rheumatoid arthritis you obviously probably know i have it it's but uh, we're doing it for arthritis research uh, not just into rheumatoid but also the other forms of arthritis Get involved. We'd like the whole of the energy sector to get involved. We'd like to get people who are out there who are not in the energy sector to get involved. We're doing our riding day on the 19th of September in uh, East London. You'll find all the details on our website. Come and join us. Or if you're in your own areas, in the north, south, east, wherever you are, and you'd like to get involved, just get in touch with us. We're raising money. You can find our Just Giving page. Go to our Just Giving page and set up your own little bike 
challenge your own power ride. Just even count the number of kilometers you do coming into work. For every kilometer, we ask you to donate a pound to a very good cause. So hopefully you'll get involved with that. And then on the 31st of October, we have our major conference expo. I'm delighted to announce that uh, Ian Funnell, the ABB uh, CEO, so ABB is a huge company, uh, he's the CEO in the UK, he'll be joining our panel debate that follows and we've also got obviously Claire Perry the energy minister we've got big names to be announced very soon get yourself registered Harry's on the calls and he's getting in touch with people but you can always register on our website and then to end the year on the 6th of December it's party night it's Elpa Woo. Woo. personality so if you've got one come along uh, again the details are on the site uh, any shout outs or anything oh god Kevin Corcoran is back. <laughs> okay. Hello, Kevin. How are you? He says, he says, nice of you to join Short Fuse. Nice of me to join Short Fuse, yes. Wearing what looks like a tank top and T-shirt all in one. I thought you liked it, Kev. Is that it? Yeah. I thought it was going to be witty and pithy. Unimaginative. Yeah, exactly. Next week, I want something better from you, Corcoran. Uh, right, uh, so uh, before we go, quick and finally, and this is the land of, I don't know what's shot there, is it Game of Thrones? One of those is shot there anyway. Uh, Iceland, yeah I've been to Iceland. Very, very quick story about Iceland, right? This is the only place where I went on a boat trip and the bloke was brilliant and he, we went whale watching and he, all that and he says, by the way we had whales here. I said, do you? He goes, yeah, we call it Moby Dick on a Stick. I was like, no, that's, it, did, it was disgusting. Anyway, so Iceland has got a uh, hydrogen power plant. Yes. So Iceland, if you have ever been there, if you're lucky enough to go there, it's an amazing country. Lots and lots of volcanic power, obviously because it heats up uh, underground water, geothermal. So geothermal energy used a lot. They use it for the pavements. They use it for every other. And now this company called, God, you had to give me this name one, uh, didn't you, Johnny? Uh, Orca Naturana Power, something like that. Naturana, O-N Power for sure. Anyway, they have created a hydrolyzing plant. So they hydrolyze uh, water, which means you basically put a current through it and you released hydrogen gas, which they will use to power buses, uh, cars, and they hope to start doing this all in October. So interesting stuff. And it's also a country where you get your surname from your father or your mother's, uh, your father's name. Yeah. So uh, Alex, what's your dad called? Paul. Paul. So he'd be Alex Paulson. Can you get that? Can you get that? Johnny would be Johnny Malcolmson or something else that we could call him. Anyway, so there you go. Weird country, but very good for hydrogen power. And then finally, it can't be said enough. It's International Beer Day. Woo! Woo! That's Rob drinking away normally, as we say. Uh, have a great week, even Kevin Corcoran. Enjoy the sunshine. We'll see you next week. Ta-da!